I'm Jesse De La Pena from Vocal Hill Radio, and this is my interview with Chicago drum and bass DJ Phantom 45. Let's get into it. Yeah, my name is Brian, uh, Phantom 45 from Chicago, uh, drum and bass DJ, been playing since 87. It's good to get you back in the studio. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. Very long time. Neo days. What I'd like to do is maybe give a little background for folks that maybe know the name. Maybe Mm -hmm. some folks are just discovering uh, Phantom 45 mixes out there on the interwebs. Uh Let's talk a little bit about the early days. How did you get into the music? DJing in general? DJ, I'd say music in general and then maybe into DJing. I've been into music since I was little. Um, I can remember like... Being in, like, first grade, second grade, you know, and the concert band would come in from, like, uh, different high schools and stuff like that. And just listening to them, like, you know, just hooked me. Just, like, the power of, like, hearing a big concert band and, like, you know, and the percussion is what I liked the most. So, and it basically just took off from there. I played uh, drums in school and uh, middle school and high school and stuff like that and um, graduated into DJing when I was, I think, probably we have freshman year. Sold my drum set, bought a pair of 12s, old, uh, I think, Audis mixer, playing a lot of hip house, stuff like that, which, you know, there's no drum and bass, no, like, real techno scene back, you know, in Chicago. Well, at least were the circles that I ran into. It was more like new wave, house, just your typical Chicago, you know. Mix shows. Mix shows, you know. Yeah, BMX, you know, Bill, Julian, Frankie, all them guys. And then started working at a record store, Hot Jams, 92. It's been a long time. Worked there for a couple years, started DJing. Well, I was still DJing, but like switched my style. I was actually trying to find my style. So I was playing like a lot of like early UK hardcore breakbeat stuff, a lot of techno stuff, a lot of stuff like you'd hear from like hyperactive and stuff like that. Um, who are the old guys like Mr. Happy, James Johnson, Sergio Cruz, all them guys, you know what I mean? We'd go to the raves and hear them. There was really no drum and bass or jungle scene, you know, going on at that time. So I met up with, uh, you know, like-minded people. Uh, Roger, R.P. Smack, and he started throwing shows. And then there was more and more, like, from working in the record store, I was getting more promos, stuff in for Moving Shadow, Reinforce, Suburban Bass, all them labels. And uh, so I had first dips. So, you know, and I was playing it out as much as possible. A lot of, like, little small little parties, 500 West Cermak, you know, all the little illegal venues and stuff like that. There's no clubs. We weren't getting any kind of club support whatsoever, only for the fact that I think that nobody even knew about it. It was very, very underground. Moved on to raves. The rest kind of just took off from there. You, you mentioned early influences, DJs, um, you know, Bill, Julian, all those guys. Oh, yeah. who, who were some of the other ones um, as you were kind of coming up? I like Chicago style of like mixing and New York styles more. Like a lot of like long blends, uh, wild pitch stuff, um, was it like DJ Pierre, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of the New York guys like Marillo. I like the Chicago sound with the New York style of mixing maybe, or maybe just the guys that I heard all like would blend for like, you know, half of the record with the other half of the record. And I, fu- and I found that to be the challenge instead of just in and out. You know what I mean? I do like the edit stuff, you know, like the Bobby D stuff back in the day. That was good for what it was. But for me, I wanted to like to express myself. What I want to do is kind of just take you on a long ride instead of just, you know, in and out. So as things started picking up and, uh, you know, the scene started coming together here, can you talk a little bit more maybe about the Midwest rave scene? Because that that's all prior to the drum and bass scene. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of was running parallel. It was kind of separate, but together. It was weird. It's like there was the main room you had, 
you know, your Terry Mullen, Nigel Richards, Hyperactive, say at the Oak Theater. And then we were in literally the hallway with a little sound system, trying just to beat it out and get, you know, as much exposure as we could. It's hard to convert people to drum and bass. Well, people say that, but I think it's easy. I've never had a problem with it. It's just you have to play the right kind of drum and bass. Now, a lot of people that play, you know, jungle and drum and bass are very passionate, like such as myself, but they'll, you know, they want to beat it down your throat. Can't do that with anything, you know what I mean? Because once you do that, people are like, no. Having the influence from like, you know, Chicago and house music and stuff like that, like you have like a, you know, an ear for music, you know what I mean? And I could tell you if something sounds good, you know, you just play it and, you know, and I, I know I could hook them with, you know, that way. Because drum bass is a very, it's, a, it's aggressive, you know what I mean? If you've ever been like a drum bass show or a jungle show, you know, you got like an MC up there and he's barking at you and, you know, there's this crazy amens going all over the place. So, yeah, it could be a bit much. Around this time, who are some other DJs coming up in, in, in the drum and bass scene? Uh, the rave scene you kind of touched on, but who are some of the early Chicago drum and bass DJs and maybe you got some influence and, you know, your peers? I mean, we were all basically playing off each other. Like we would go like my uh, buddy Danny, Danny Wildchild, Ben, Dr. Gru, DJ 3D, Snuggles and Slack, DJ Fix. I mean, there, there's, you know, there was a handful of us and we were all, you know, pretty much together. But we would go to Danny's basement and we would sit down there and mix for probably, I don't know seven to ten hours and just you know berate each other you know just to be better and better and like you know if you would go off a little bit everyone would you know nudge at him or whatever and give him the business and that's just the way it was and it just made everyone a better dj i think not even trying to do you know i don't think we're down there trying to be better we're just trying to have fun it, it was just the result i'm jesse de la pena and this is my interview with dj phantom 45 so some of the early parties I remember at uh, Liars Club, Empty Bottle. Can you talk a little bit more about how it kind of kicked off here in Chicago? Well, it kicked off at Liars Club. Uh, it was called Brock Out. Um, Scott Mannion put it together from Dub Shack. He was friends with Herb from Liars, and he kind of finagled his way into there to uh, get us a night. I remember the first night, it was freezing cold. I think there was like two feet of snow. And there was still, like, a line that came down. And I was shocked because I didn't think there was that many people that were into it. I think they were more excited to hear drum and bass in a bar where they could get a drink, go to the bathroom, and it's not a warehouse, and they're worried about their car getting broken into. And it kicked off, and it was crazy. You know, it was a small space. It was, I mean, the sound system for the time, you know, was great. It was a very do-it-yourself lighting system. I remember there was, like, a strobe light that I would control. You know, I would kind of pitch it up. As the buildup came, I'd pitch it up as well. But it was just a really good time. That's what kind of kicked it off in Chicago. And there were still raves going on and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, that was the catalyst for all of it. I mean, what are your thoughts on the drum and bass scene in general? Kind of from the early days to its present state. In Chicago, where's uh, drum and bass jungle? I think it's pretty much in the same state as it's always been. I mean, it's not great and it's not bad. Um, it's just there. Um, it's better than it's been. You know, I mean, the drum and bass scene in general, I think, is having like a resurgence worldwide. And I think it's, you know, it's about to become a little bit bigger in the States than it did the first hit, maybe in like the early 2000s. Let's talk a little bit about Bass by the Pound, kind of when they came on the scene. That was a pretty long run. That was probably the best drum and bass night in the city as far as bringing talent in from 
across the pond. I mean, it was like the way that Respect in L.A. is doing it now. If you go, you know, to see like their monthly, you know, every week they have someone from out of town. What would it be? Goldie or, who, you know, whoever. I mean, everybody. And it was the same thing with Base by the Pound. You know, it was, you know, Andy C., Groove Rider. I mean, just throw a dart, you know, to drum bass DJ in London and they were there. Yeah, I mean, they definitely took it to another level. Yeah. Um, a lot of the names, you know, you were buying the records and stuff, and finally experiencing some of these guys in person here in Chicago. You know, there was a lot of things going on, different scenes. Yeah. If you were into hip-hop, you were into house, but I think more people were, were exposed to it because, you know, the rave scene definitely introduced it. Yes. But when you had a regular Wednesday or whatever, right. that, that, that <clears throat> just added so much it, more yeah it was very popular you know so you had a lot of people coming you know for their first time that were going just because the seminar based by the pound night was you know it was, it was huge so people would come check it out so maybe you had some converts you know what i mean you know people like oh great i don't know what this music is i love it and now you know the thing about trying bass once you love it it's stuck in you and that's it it's not going anywhere Big shout to all the other crews that, you know, along the lines uh, kept the torch going. You know, the MIAs. Yeah, the MIA guys. Definitely want to shout out Renan and DNBID. I mean, you always have the early days. Right. You have the seminar, which, you know, the peak. I mean, you need all of them. You just can't have all big nights. All them little nights make up the greater whole of the drum and bass scene in Chicago, and I think they're needed. You know, I just did a little uh, Sunday uh, daytime at Nighthawk outside. It was, you know, it was all drum and bass heads, played a nice little liquid set. You know, people enjoyed it. You know, nights like that and daytimes like that, I think, are needed. Big up to Stunner. I've been catching yeah. him, yeah. doing his thing on the production. Over the years, you know, I've been out to support some of these nights. I've played some of these nights. You kind of take it for yeah, granted. Yeah, you do take it for granted. Like, you do think it's going to be there. I mean, and you got to give Ben and Alphonse and them guys a lot of credit because, you know, they, they do this all the time. You know what I mean? They're constantly, it's a thankless job. And I think kind of too. I mean, Ben puts a lot of, you know, work into it with like uh, merchandise and this and that. And his passion is greater than mine in a sense, as far as with drum and bass. I mean, I love it, you know, but I mean, he's out there. He's pretty hardcore. He's, he's doing, he's doing the legwork. Yeah. And I just want to show up and play. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, there's artists and there's the promoters right. and everybody in yeah. between. Yeah. All right. You mentioned uh, your set recently at that night, uh, played a liquid set. Uh-huh. Let's talk a little bit how your, your style Talk about the, the, the uh, transformation. Well, back in the day, we were playing whatever we can get our hands on because, I mean, there wasn't that much. So, you know, you always had, in a sense, like, I wouldn't say fighting, but infighting with DJs. Well, I'm going to play this song or I want to play that song. You know what I mean? When you're at a party where now you're not really having that problem because I'm not worried about playing a song that Danny's going to play because we have a completely different style. I'm not worried about playing a song that Stun is going to play because we have a completely different style as well. As far as, I mean, the, the music has constantly evolved, I think. Just with the technology itself, I think, it, with music production, I mean, you could hear it. You know what I mean? I got back into this. I've been out of this for probably 10 years, been working in nightclubs and managing and all that stuff. So basically one day I kind of just was sitting there and I have like probably like 10,000 records. And I'm like, I'm not going to do anything with these records. People want these records. They've been asking me for years. You know, I would just give them to them, but I'd rather, you know, I'd like to make, you know, a little bit of my money back. I was listening to, you know, the drum and bass that was coming out now. And it, it I, it's at the point I knew it, it could reach, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I knew like, I knew where it was going. You know what I mean? I knew it would finally get to, and then here it is for me, for what I like. I just woke up one day and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get rid of these records, took them all out, sold all the records, used that money, 
bought a new controller, and I basically was just going to use it to, you know, make a couple mixes. And that spiraled. Finding out that I could record right on the controller into a wave made it even easier. So now it's like, you know, I could download something from Bandcamp or Juno and literally have it in the mix within, you know, seconds, you know, or, you know, I could buy a couple tunes and have it out the next day. Pretty, pretty cool. It is pretty nice. It's like DJing in the future. It is. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, I was always like, you know, vinyl. I mean, I wasn't like, like I'm strictly vinyl, but I liked vi the vinyl format. But using, you know, a controller and using, you know, I could, you know, seeing the waves, it, I feel that I could be more creative with it too as well with the technology as far as like looping and things you can't do with, you know, a record. You don't have to worry about a record skipping. It's always going to sound the same. Um, I don't know. There's, I mean, there's so many things to go into. I'm Jesse De La Pena, talking to Chicago drum and bass DJ Phantom 45. So this is a nice segue into the new mix series. Obviously, you got the bug again. You're right. you're uh, you're putting out mixes and stuff. Yeah, at a uh, fever pace. Exactly. I mean, you know, from the idea you say a, a few mixes you're going to do, and now it's turned into I don't even know what the number is right now. Um, I started in, I think I looked at my mix cloud page. I think it's been five months, and it, there's 26 shows now. Uh, maybe I'd say mm, nine of them are all remastered, like old mixes that people like. A lot of these are up on like YouTube. I've seen like there's if you search like Fan Forty Five on YouTube, there's a lot of mixes like live that I've never even heard or ones that I've put out but are very poor quality. So I had all the masters, so I took them over to Danny's. We ran them through, you know, Logic and this and that, and boosted them up, and it made them sound the best that they're going to, you know, being from '92. Were they, 92, 97, you know. Were, were they mastered on cassette or DAT? Uh, DAT player. DAT player. Some of, yeah, DAT player, and I use a four-track on some. I just put out the Jungle Book one that everyone has been, you know, and that's just like everyone's just like they're all over on a mixed cloud. Because you can see your stats on there, and it's like it's just climbing, 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 climbing. Like number one on the UK hardcore, you know what I mean? I'm like, this tape is from 97. Let's talk about the Jungle Book. I, I mean, that's probably the most popular one I, I know of in yeah. Chicago. Everybody talks about that. What was the story with the photo on the back? Who was in the photo? They just threw somebody in the photo. Oh. Somebody was, was it Milty or? I think it was Milty. <laughs> it may but have I can't, been I, You know what? I haven't thought about that in probably 20 years. But yeah, I do remember that. It was yeah. somebody we knew. Yeah. That wasn't in the drum bass scene. But yeah. I was like, I always wondered why he was in the I think, photo. I think, the, I think it was like a group photo or something or in there. But I, it, I think he might have been like like mislabeled as an MC too. It was something <laughs> strange like that. Yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Well, it's funny because, I, you know, I put these mixes out in the 90s. And, you know, there was a long, you know, time period between each one. A very popular one was uh, Dusted Fader, Dry Gulch, Jungle Book, obviously. And then there was Summer Fair, Sneak Twice, 45 Glide. So I maybe would put out two a year. So now it's, you know, 15 <laughs> in the last five months. I mean, there's so much more music. And it's like, you know, I've been digging, you know, I've been out of the game for 10, you know, 10 years. So I'm like, well, I put out more music in the last five months than I have in the whole, my whole career of DJing from like 87, which is, which I find funny. So I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, the scene when you were doing a little more uh, traveling. Pre-social media. Pre-social media. You and Danny were doing a lot of the time on the road. It was nonstop. It was like, we were on the road at least every Friday and Saturday, 
you know, there was weekends, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. One of them weekends, like it was like a Sunday in Chattanooga. You, you don't really get any sleep. And I think I'd been up for, you know, like four days, basically. You know, sleep here and there. You sleep in the airport, you sleep a little bit at the hotel, depending, you know, connecting flights. It was, it was crazy back then. I remember just coming back into my into my hotel, and I'm like, what time is checkout? My flight is at 5 o'clock. And they're like, uh, well, checkout's at 11. You'd have to pay for another a night. And I, I didn't care. I didn't care how much it was. And it was funny because it was only like $30. <laughs> and I and I had been on the road for four days. And so I had like $2,500 in my pocket. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It was a crazy, I mean, thank God there's no social media because we were, it was wild. Like New Orleans every year, Mardi Gras. I mean, oh my. Yeah. New Orleans was definitely a stop you and Danny would always make. I, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It was a uh, disco Donnie who still, I think he still does stuff um, like EDM, big EDM shows, stuff like that. He was a big pioneer for the rave scene. Even like the, uh, the rave act, you know, they try to like lock everybody up or, you know, stop you from doing it. He was a big pioneer against that. And, but I think you know, everything worked out. You're tuned into Vocalo Radio. We're checking out an interview with Chicago drum and bass DJ Phantom 45. I'd like to, to dive into maybe the past 10 years of you running places, managing, you know, we're talking uh, Neo, we're talking Lava Lounge, Debonair Social Club. Well, yeah, everything kind of... What, what was the, the segue from... We were on the road, like I said, you know, 15 years. You know what I mean? It, it didn't seem like it, but we were. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, there are some periods, you know, that were greater than, you know, in that time. But it was nonstop. It was every weekend. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Just for the fact, like, I just wanted to, like, just be home. You know, I was just tired of airports. I can only do it so long. I'd love to do it. You know, it's fun. You know, you're getting paid to go out and party and, you know, and play music and everyone loves it you know it's a good time but like you do anything for too long and you know it's 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 just too much so i kind of stopped and my buddy you know phil and ty from base by the pound they had small bar so I, i'm like you know i'm just gonna stay home so i started working there i was even doing the door there and then they had an opportunity to uh buy lava lounge so like well you want to be the music director, so I went from there, and then Lava, and then we moved Lava to Milwaukee, and then Lava changed. It was weird how things, you know, happen, you know, at the same time. So they were changing Lava into the Exchange, which is more of like a craft cocktail bar. So at the same time, Phil's wife knew the owner's daughter of Neil, and they were looking for a new manager. So it's kind of like, you know, my brother's sister's cousin's seeing you, you know what I mean, type of thing. And I went in there and talked to Lee, the old owner, and I just, you know, got the job and did that for, I don't know, eight years, nine years, I'm not sure, until that finally closed just due to the landlord didn't want to renew it. I mean, that was a great time, too. I mean, Neil taught me a lot, too, as far as, um, you know, you got to be responsible. You, toilet breaks. You got to make sure you're there the next day at 2 o'clock, you know, with the plumber. And it's good. It's good structure just being there, you know, not being crazy and on the road and, like, you know, God knows where. Did you hang out at Neo early days? No, no. I knew of it, but I never went there. I got the job before I even stepped foot in there. My ex expectations were it was going to be a little bit rougher, Nightclub from like seven, the movie, or you know, you just see this crazy or eight millimeter. And it wasn't, they're like the nicest people I've ever met, you know, uh, like the goth people and this and that. And you, you know, they listen to very like hard, aggressive music, but they're all real sweethearts, you know. What yeah, I, mean? I was like, 
you know, this is going to be easy. So you were there when they closed the doors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was crazy too. I mean, the news was there. There's, there's a line down from Neo down Clark, Clark to Fullerton, Fullerton headed West. It had to be like seven, eight blocks. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was insane. Yeah, that that venue in general it I was, mean, yeah. sparked a lot of stuff. Susan yeah. Shelton, yeah. I mean the sound. Jeff Moyer, Jeff Paisen, yeah. all the you know, Bud Sweet, all them guys from there. You know the the sound, that new wave sound. Yeah. That you I know. wish I would have been there in like the early. You know, you see like the early pictures of Neo, and it looks like it looks like kind of like this studio. It's very like clean. It looks like a, like an old like like Polish kitchen almost, you know, it's a nice neon. And I get there and it's like, you know, it's Arkham city, you know, it's just, it's pretty rough. And, you know, I mean, in a good way, you know, I mean, everything changes and evolves, you know, industrial scene kind of took that over. So then you head over to uh debonair. Yes. So, yeah. So we were on the run. So Kenny, so Cal and Kenny, everyone knows Cal and Kenny, you know, from crowbar, from kaboom, kaboom, you know, everywhere, you know, the Neil was Cal's like baby, his first, his first club. So he's busy in Florida right now, just designing like, you know, hotels. He's, he's got his place full. So Kenny came over and, you know, decided to take this Neo on the run. So we went over to Steve Harris, mm-hmm. who's, you know, you know, like I said, everybody knows everybody in the city. So it's, it, that's the one thing I do like about the city is as messed up as the industry is, you know, everyone kind of has this camaraderie together, you know, that you all know each other. They knew Steve Harris. Steve Harris had debonair. We started doing the Neo nights there. You know, so I started managing there. Aside of the, you know, on the weekends, because we did the Neo Nights on Thursdays and some Fridays. and So, you know, he basically gave me a job, you know, you know, thank you, Steve Harris, for back then. And then the pandemic hit. And then that was it. Because, you know, nightclubs, restaurants took forever to, you know, open back up. And we were the last. And then when we opened back up, I just didn't feel like doing it anymore. And I started working at my buddy's restaurant. Well, it's been a nice little journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm kind of like remembering it right now as we're talking. Because you don't even think, you know, you don't think about it. This whole, you know, starting this mix series was kind of, it wasn't meant to like take off, like like start doing gigs again. Well, some people are more excited about me coming back than I am. And they're like, oh, I got this. So I've already played in Cleveland. I got a show coming up in a couple shows in Florida, Philly, you know, so all the, you know, I'm like, well, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'll take one last run at it. I've shown a couple shows in Chicago here and there, too, uh, underground shows in October. I'm like, I might as well just take another run at it. I'm just cooped up in the house with my dog making music. I'm like, let me get out of the house and make a few bucks. But you're doing it on your own terms now. True, true, true. Yeah, you didn't have, yeah, then, you know, it was, you know, it, it was a job, like anything. It was to pay the bills, but it was, back then, it was also the passion. It was just like, you know, to get that music out there. Like, I don't know what driving force that was in me just like that people needed to hear this and needed to hear it correctly the way that i see it i guess but that was there i mean and it's here now you know actually i have to give a big shout out to my friend john mork one of my best friends he is integral in this whole um mixed process as well because he's doing all the artwork i don't know if you've seen all the artwork and, oh yeah you know, and people love it you know like we there's a lot of like little easter eggs my dog's in all of them and this and that and i feel that art and music you know, need to go together. Because if I just put, I don't think these mixes would be as successful as they are if the art wasn't there. If I just put up, you know, very like old school Bad Boy Bill, hot mix number one, hot mix number two, you know, but everyone loved hot mix 16. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, that's a big part of, you know, why it's so successful. And it's fun and he likes to do, I mean, he's a great graphic designer. 
Yeah, big yeah. up, Mark. Yeah. Thank you, John. Definitely got to get a mix from John. It's been a little while. Yeah, uh, he's out of the game. He is in Seattle, um, Zend out. He's a graphic designer at Amazon, and he's into bonsai trees, and he's big into it. Like, big, 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 big. Like, no more music? I don't think he's producing music. He was one half of the uh, Sound Republic. It was him and Frankie. Um, and he's just uh, kind of chill. He's married now, you know, just sitting back. He did go to the Goldie Show that was in Seattle this past weekend, Saturday. He said it was great. Let's talk about Westfest. Is this the first drum and bass? The first bass by the pound night. So Phil has always done the Westfest um, stage. So it's mainly been house music on Saturday, Sunday. Fridays are kind of fairly new. Last year it was like Heather, uh, Super Jane, Colette, Dehoda. And it was more of a house And Lady thing. D. And Lady D, that's right. I've played the Westfest before, and they've, like, I've played, like, a 2.30 slot, 3 slot, you know, on a Saturday. And, you know, drum and bass, but very light, liquidy stuff. Like, I know what to play for the people. And Phil's caught the bug. Like, everyone's caught the bug again. It's like drum and bass flu. And I'm like, just give me, you know, a decent time slot on Saturday at, like, 5.30 or 6, you know. Give me a crowd. I'm going to reel them in. I can get them. I know it. So I think that kind of sparked. He's like, you know what? We're just going to do the whole Friday. So nice. the Friday is like a base, base by the pound night. So I'm playing 7 o'clock right before uh, Anna Morgan, Nikki Nair. So they're more like bassy, jungle, new school kids, you know, this and that. Um, Phil's playing as well. Uh, DJ Intel and uh, Easy Jack. Nice. So, yeah. So, it's gonna be fun. so you know, 7 o'clock, I'm going to have a nice crowd there. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, should be fun. What's the date on that one? July 7th. Awesome. And it's that whole weekend. It's the whole weekend, yeah. 7th, 8th, and 9th. So, yeah, uh, Nitzarab is playing on Saturday, which that, is crazy. You buried the lead. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nitzarab is playing at Westfest. Nobody Fest. knew about it. Everyone's like, wait. And I thought, like, wait, is this, this is, wait, Nitzarab is going to be on Chicago and Damon. Yeah. Yes. I go, okay. Is go, it both of them? Or is it one guy? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know who it is. All I know is it's going to be a sea of black shirts. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when ESG played. Yeah, I'm that like, was wait. impressive. I'm like, Wait, they're playing Westfest. The real ESG. The, ESG. the ladies. The ladies, yeah. And I was, I mean, they were phenomenal. I think they sounded better than they did, you know, recorded. I mean, it was, they sounded really good. It's going to be a thing to see, you know, Nitsareb play join in the chat. Yeah, it's a good lineup, but that's that's what people are really excited about. I kind of feel bad for Farina, but I mean, listen, he's playing the opposite side at the same time, but he plays every year. He'll get over it. You still <laughs> got Derek on Sunday, so. There you go. There you go. All right, Brian. Well, thanks for coming to the studio. Yeah, no problem. I'm looking forward to the mix series and uh, hearing your set. Yeah, the mix series yeah, is on uh, Mixcloud. There's so many shows out now. I mean, so many mixes up now. All you got to do is Google Fan45 Mixcloud, and it's going to come right up. Perfect, man. Okay. All right. We'll All be right. back, guys. You're tuned into Vocalo Radio. I'm Jesse De La Pena. And now's my conversation with Chicago drum and bass DJ Phantom 45. Recorded summer of 2023. Things are going well for Phantom. To find out more information about his brand new tour with Chicago DJ Danny the Wildchild, go to jumpupandroll.com. You can find more features like this on our Mixcloud page. Go to mixcloud.com forward slash Vocalo Radio. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>